Welcome, and thank you for joining us for today's CME podcast. PrimeMed podcasts are dedicated to providing on-the-go clinicians with pertinent, evidence-based primary care content that won't take too much time out of your busy schedule. Information about CME credits and faculty for today's podcast can be found within this activity's landing page on primemed.com slash podcast. That's pri-med.com slash podcasts. Be sure to also go to this location in order to claim your CME credits after the program. Thank you and enjoy. Hello and welcome to Understanding the 2020 Focus Updates to the Asthma Management Guidelines. Primate and Learn More, Breathe Better, a program of the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute of the National Institutes of Health, NHLBI, are partnering to provide primary care clinicians with information on the updates to the national guidelines for the diagnosis, management, and treatment of asthma. This is a two-part podcast series informing clinicians about the updated asthma guidance, highlighting important changes to the recommendations, and discussing how these changes can improve diagnosis, treatment, and management of patients with asthma. I'm Dr. Pamela Kushner, a clinical professor at the University of California Irvine Medical Center and director of the Kushner Wellness Center in Los Alamitos, California. And I am pleased to participate as the moderator for this episode addressing how and why the asthma guidelines have changed. I'm thrilled to be joined today with Dr. James P. Kiley, NHLBI Division of Lung Diseases Director, who will discuss how and why updates to the national asthma guidelines were needed, how they differ from previous guideline updates, and new features designed to help clinicians implement the new guidance into our practices. Welcome, Dr. Kylie. Let's get started. Thanks, real nice to be here with you all. Before we discuss the details of the 2020 focused updates to the asthma management guidelines, I think it would be useful for listeners to learn a little bit more about the background behind the National Heart, Lung and Blood Institute or NHLBI asthma guidelines. Could you please give us a brief overview Sure, happy to give you a little background here. So the National Heart, Lung and Blood Institute at the National Institutes of Health, along with a number of other federal partners, oftentimes issue national guidelines to guide physicians and consumers by outlining best practices, in this case for asthma management. Part of our overall mission is to um, turn uh, discovery into health. And part of that uh, discovery to health equation is to really make sure that the uh, research that we support, the evidence that we accumulate through that effort is ultimately reaching the providers and the patients so that we can optimally manage their conditions, in this case uh, for asthma. The last um, update of the guidelines for the diagnosis and management of asthma were re was released in 2007, and uh, obviously uh, substantial progress has been made in understanding asthma diagnosis, management, and treatment over the uh, ensuing years. So to reflect that, progr that progress, the uh, NHLBI led a coordinated effort through its National Asthma Education and Prevention uh, Program uh, to update the national asthma guidelines for adults and children in several uh, key areas. The updated uh, guidelines focus on six topic areas and were developed uh, with input from uh, the broad asthma community. And the focused updates uh, were authored 
by uh, the National Asthma Education and Prevention Program Coordinating Committee, and that was made up primarily of an expert panel working group, a subcommittee of the bigger parent uh, uh, NAEPP, the National Asthma Education Prevention Program, and approved by the um, National Heart, Lung and Blood Advisory Council. And that was all done uh, in an effort to update the key areas uh, and topics in asthma management. Um, how they were, uh, how those new topics were selected, and what those topics should be. Uh, in other words, um, what what do what's new uh, from from here on? So uh, a fairly involved process when you think about the background leading up to it. Not only in terms of the NHLBI's role in in this space, but also in terms of how we go about soliciting, collecting, and um, processing the input that we get from a wide, wide range of stakeholders. So we beginning with, you know, how do we uh, do uh, what's called a needs assessment to determine whether or not an update is really even needed. All the way through, um, you know, what are those important uh, areas that we need to focus on? And then how do we go about making sure that we use the best methodology, the best way of capturing the evidence and being objective in how we then uh, turn that evidence into guidelines that help um, uh, the providers uh, practice uh, the best and optimal way uh, to uh, to manage uh, their uh, patients with asthma. So that's so, a little bit of the background and how we got to where we are here today. So you basically are saying that these are focused updates. They're not just a complete revision of the 2007 guidelines. So could you please tell me how were the new topics selected and what are the new topics? What I want to focus on here is what is new? Yes, we should make sure we we clarify that this is not a complete overhaul or update of uh, the uh, 2007 um, uh, guidelines, what we call EPR three. Uh, this this is uh, selected, uh, and that, so we called this the 2020 focused updates in in uh, the asthma management guidelines, and they offer new guide guidance in six areas of asthma diagnosis, management, and treatment. And those six areas were based on a needs assessment that was done uh, back in 2014 in that uh, era, time window, um, where th at this time that we uh, took a snapshot look at where, where the evidence was, and, and then took a look at what was in the uh, expert panel three, PR three document from 2007, we asked the question, what is new? What in this ensuing period of time has changed where we would want to do a systematic evaluation of the evidence to be able to know to to update uh, the um, the guidelines? And so the six areas that were identified involved uh, intermittent inhaled corticosteroids, uh, long acting muscarinic antagonists, uh, indoor allergen mitigation, uh, immunotherapy in the treatment of allergic asthma, uh, the use of fractional exhaled uh, nitric oxide testing and bronchial thermoplasty. These were the six areas that were identified by a needs assessment committee that said we needed updates in these areas. And these would be areas in uh, the EPR3 where there was enough progress made that we thought that some changes in the recommendations would be warranted. We used a very rigorous process to develop then the evidence-based guidelines. So the topics that were selected through a comprehensive literature review, consultation with experts, and then soliciting comments from the public. The evidence reviews were done by the Agency for Healthcare Research and Quality, HRQ. They have evidence-based practice centers that conduct systematic reviews on these topics. 
they do this for many, many areas of medicine. Uh, so this was one that they were able to take on. Uh, and then the expert panel working group that I mentioned earlier uh, took the evidence reviews um, and the literature that was published in, in the Journal of American Medical Association uh, to base the development of the recommendations and the guidance. So again, a fairly involved process that goes from a needs assessment, determine those needs to a committee that then takes that uh, uh, information and uh, develop the evidence uh, through uh, systematic reviews. And then those then go to another committee, a separate committee that will uh, produce the um, the recommendations for the guidelines. And that's uh, what we uh, just produced here and released uh, in December. So how does the HRQ, the Healthcare Research and Quality, translate the evidence from these systematic reviews into the new recommendations? That, if you can explain that a little more, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, it's a very good question because uh, it, it is a, a sequential uh, process in, in which um, we, we have independent bodies essentially doing each of the steps, which gives us even more confidence about the objectivity uh, and the strength of the evidence that uh, is produced. But the AHRQ is a body that is um, conduct the literature reviews when you come right down to it is that they will take all of the literature in that they can um, they can uh, extract from the from the public uh, um, uh, databases and uh, take that information uh, in those six different categories and compile that information into a, uh, a document that into six different documents that uh, can be published. Each one were published and then that information can in turn be used by the expert panel uh, to produce the guidelines. What the HRQ reviews do is it just they outline the evidence. They do not make recommendations. They do not uh, provide guidelines. The, the expert panel working group of the National Asthma Education and Prevention Program was charged with using these systematic reviews to develop the recommendations around those topics. And so they um, also had to do a bit of an update of the literature searches uh, from the time in which the AHRQ um, uh, effort ended and there was some additional research that was uh, um, uh, uh, published in that intervening time. It's a short period of time, but they were also able to update it. So we got the most current um, information in hand and this committee, the expert panel working group that I keep referring to is the one that is charged with then taking that evidence and uh, and those recommendations that were in the um, the published evidence reviews and then um, uh, look at that uh, and and uh, through a, an, again a fairly deep and involved process uh, reach consensus on uh, what it should be recommended to uh, the practitioners, the patients, others that have an interest in asthma management and diagnosis so that they can then uh, be, be able to give um, the practicing community uh, the most up-to-date um, uh, information to help guide their practice. And when you look at this process, um, about 90% of the time um, the expert panel that was uh, charged with making these recommendations or coming up with these guidelines uh, reach consensus on these different topic areas, these six different topic areas. And then at the end, NHLBI released the draft recommendations for public comment so that input could be obtained from all the stakeholders, federal agencies, patients, providers, researchers, and the expert panel considered all of that information, incorporated that into the final draft, and then after the coordinating committee reviews this, then the um, draft was um, 
submitted for clearance through the government channels and then finalized and published in the Journal of Allergy and Clinical Immunology in December. So it's a, again, uh, you know, it's a long uh, process. It's one that's quite involved, but we feel like we get tremendous amount of input going from the evidence through the AHRQ systematic reviews through taking that evidence and turning those into recommendations that can help guide practice. Okay, so Dr. Kylie, we've gone through how the recommendations are developed, and that's 